Introduction Mr. Avery is requesting and is willing to pay for the most comprehensive, thorough, and advanced forensic testing ever requested by a criminal defendant in the state of Wisconsin. By doing this additional and totally comprehensive testing, a guilty defendant would risk conclusively establishing his guilt. In contrast, Mr. Avery is requesting the comprehensive, thorough, and most advanced forensic testing currently known for one simple reason. He is completely and totally innocent of the murder of Teresa Hawbach. Mr. Avery has already completed a series of tests that will conclusively establish his innocence in conjunction with the additional forensic tests he is seeking in this motion. All of this evidence will be presented in Mr. Avery's post-conviction petition, which will be filed after the new test results are obtained from the test request in the instant motion. Background Mr. Avery was charged on November 15, 2005 with first-degree intentional homicide and mutilation of a corpse. The complaint was later amended to include possession of a firearm by a felon. The case proceeded to trial on February 5, 2005 before the Honorable Patrick L. Willis. A jury convicted Mr. Avery of first-degree intentional homicide and felon in possession of a firearm. The jury acquitted Mr. Avery of mutilating a corpse. The convictions related to the October 31st death of Ms. Halbach, a 25-year-old photographer. Ms. Halbach's clients included Auto Trader Magazine. Ms. Halbach had an appointment to take photos of vehicles at the Avery Salvage Yard for the magazine on October 31st, 2005. Ms. Halbach disappeared after she completed her assignment and left the Avery Salvage Yard. Her last call forwarded a message at 2.41 p.m. occurred when her cell phone was still powered on and registered. That call pinged off the White Law Tower, which was approximately 3.1 miles from the Avery Salvage Yard. Ms. Halbach's voice mailbox had 20 message capacity, and a review of her records and other witness records indicates that five of Ms. Halbach's voicemails were deleted on October 31, 2005, and another 11 voicemails were deleted before 7.12 a.m. on November 2, 2005. Singular wireless voicemail plan detail, attached and incorporated herein as Exhibit A. Ryan Hilges called Ms. Halbach at 6.42 p.m. on November 1, 2005, and her voice mailbox was full. Ryan's phone records attach and incorporated herein as Exhibit B. The state's expert testified that a password was required to access Ms. Halbach's voicemail from a different phone line. Ms. Halbach's Motorola Razor featured one-touch dialing for voicemail, which would allow anyone in possession of her cell phone to access her voicemail. Five voicemail deletions occurred on October 31st, and 11 additional deletions were made prior to 7.12 a.m. on November 2nd. Ms. Halbach's disappearance was not reported until November 3rd. On November 3rd, Officer Colburn discovered the victim's vehicle and called dispatch on a personal line to confirm the victim's license plate number. On November 3rd, according to the Manitowoc County Sheriff's Department reports, Ms. Halbach's vehicle was seized. Manitowoc County Sheriff's Department Seminal Report attached and incorporated herein as Exhibit C. On November 5, 2005, Ms. Halbach's vehicle was discovered in the southeast corner of the Avery Salvage Yard. 
Ms. Halbach's vehicle was moved to the southeast corner of the Avery property on the evening of November 4, 2005, after Calumet County Sheriff Jeriff Poggle and Investigator Wendy Baldwin conducted a flyover of the Avery salvage yard. Ms. Halbach's vehicle was moved from the Fred Redont Sons Incorporated Quarry to the Avery property using the conveyor road that led onto the Avery property from the quarry. Calumet County Sheriff's Department Report November 7, 2005, attached and incorporated herein as Exhibit D. After Ms. Halbach's vehicle was discovered on November 5th, law enforcement officers secured the 40-acre property, preventing the Averys from entering the property from November 5th to November 12th. Significantly, the Manitowoc County Coroner was not informed of the murder by law enforcement personnel. Instead, she learned of it by watching television. There is no record of her being allowed on the Avery property during the evidence collection. Mr. Avery contends that the blood evidence was planted in Ms. Halbach's car by law enforcement prior to the discovery of the vehicle on the Avery property on November 5th. Either Officer Lank and or Officer Colburn were connected to the discovery of each item of planted evidence. Officer Colburn seized the victim's car on November 3rd, two days prior to it being planted on the Avery's property. They entered the Avery's property twice on November 7th, prior to the charred bones and key being discovered on November 8th. Officer Link and Colburn testified they discovered the key in Mr. Avery's bedroom on November 8th. Officer Link was conducting a search of the garage when the bullet fragments were discovered. Non-law enforcement individuals were also allowed to enter the property after the property was closed to the general public. Two of those individuals were untruthful in their police interviews. Mr. Avery will present his third-party theory in his post-conviction petition that he will file once he obtains the new test results. Individual A accessed the property from the quarry four times for some unknown reason after it had been closed to the public. Specifically, Individual A accessed the property within minutes of Officer Colburn and Link on November 5th and twice on November 7th. Crime scene logs attached and incorporated herein as Exhibit E. Prior to anyone realizing that Ms. Halbach's body had been burned, Individual A gave a statement in which he described seeing a fire in a burn barrel behind Mr. Avery's garage on October 31st, 2005. Written statements of Individual A attached and incorporated herein as Exhibit F. Subsequent investigation has determined that Individual A's statement is contrary to the facts. Mr. Avery's burn barrel was never behind his trailer or garage, and it was impossible for Individual A to observe Mr. Avery's backyard as described because of the elevation of the quarry from where he was allegedly making his observation. Individual B accessed the property using a false name. Civilian search map attached and incorporated herein as Exhibit G. Individual B misrepresented that the victim's blinker light was broken months before and that she had made an insurance claim for it. Wisconsin DOJ Report, December 14, 2005, attached and incorporated herein as Exhibit H. On November 3, 2005, Individual B placed three calls to the Singular Customer Service Account and Password Assistance Line. Individual B received approximately 22 calls from law enforcement on November 4, prior to the victim's vehicle being moved onto the property. 
Individual B accessed the Avery property twice on November 7th and once on November 8th after the property was closed to the public. Crime scene logs attached and incorporated herein as Exhibit I. Mr. Avery contends that the victim's key and bones were planted on November 7th and were discovered on November 8th. Most of Ms. Halbach's bones and 29 of her teeth were not found in Mr. Avery's burn pit. State expert Leslie Eisenberg testified that the volume of bones discovered in the burn pit was two to three-fifths of what might be expected. Dr. Eisenberg also admitted that the bones had been moved prior to their location in Mr. Avery's burn pit. Dr. Eisenberg testified that she suspected that the bones found in the Redoc quarry, which included a pel pelvis, were human. Between Saturday, November 5th, when the original search warrant was issued, and Wednesday, November 9th, when the police obtained a new warrant, law enforcement and crime lab personnel entered Mr. Avery's trailer on seven occasions. First, after the warrant was issued on November 5th at 3.30 p.m. Law enforcement conducted a 10-minute sweep of Mr. Avery's trailer and an 8-minute search of his garage, looking for any evidence related to Ms. Halbach's whereabouts. Then, at 7.30 p.m. that same day, law enforcement entered Mr. Avery's trailer for a second time. This time, the officer stayed just over two and one-half hours and seized approximately 50 pieces of evidence. The third and fourth entries occurred on Sunday, November 6th, and a fifth entry occurred on November 7th. Despite the exhaustively comprehensive search of Mr. Avery's trailer and extensive testing, not one drop of the victim's blood or bodily fluids was ever discovered in Mr. Avery's trailer or garage or on the evidence seized from the trailer or the garage. On November 7th, small drops of blood were discovered in the front of Ms. Halbach's vehicle on the driver and passenger seats, driver's floor, and the rear passenger door jam. These blood drops produced a complete DNA profile of Mr. Avery. Suspiciously, there were no bloody fingerprints of Mr. Avery in or on the vehicle, despite the fact that he could not have been wearing gloves when he allegedly deposited blood in the vehicle. None of the eight latent fingerprints found in and on the victim's vehicle belonged to Mr. Avery. Ms. Halbach's blood was found in the cargo area. One of the most compelling scientific facts pointing to planted blood evidence is that there was no mixture of Ms. Halbach and Mr. Avery's blood, despite the state's claim that the bleeding Mr. Avery threw Ms. Halbach in the rear cargo area of her vehicle. On November 8th, the sixth entry in search of Avery's trailer occurred. Officer Link, Colburn, and Kuchorski searched the trailer for three and one-half hours. Among other things, the officers swabbed Mr. Avery's blood stain found in the bathroom. Officer Colburn conducted an hour-long search of Avery's small bookcase, approximately 32 by 16 by 31 inches. Officer Colburn testified that he tipped and twisted the bookcase, pulling it away from the wall. Officer Colburn repeatedly pushed the photo binder into the back of the bookshelf until he knocked the back loose. Supposedly, Officer Colburn's actions forced the key to fall from the back of the bookshelf and migrate to a place on the carpet on the side of the bookcase by Mr. Avery's slippers. The key was not pre present in the initial photographs of the bookcase in Mr. Avery's slippers. During Officer Colburn's frantic interaction with the bookcase, Officer Link left the bedroom. 
When Officer Lank returned, he noticed a Toyota key had suddenly appeared. Rather than being where one would expect the key to have fallen, based on Officer Colburn's actions, the key was actually lying next to the bookcase on the carpet. Allegedly, this key had Mr. Avery's complete DNA profile, but not Ms. Halbach's. Although no presumptive blood testing was done by the state, which would suggest whether the DNA came from blood, their experts nonetheless testified that Mr. Avery's blood from his cut finger had masked Ms. Halbach's DNA profile. There are conflicting dates, November 5th and 7th, about law enforcement's discovery of the remnants of Ms. Halbach's Motorola Razor cell phone, Palm Pilot, and camera in a burn barrel in Mr. Avery's yard. No mention was made at trial about the second Motorola cell phone taken from Ms. Halbach's home on November 3rd, 2005. The contradictory evidence about the cell phone is as follows. Officer Mark Wiegert's affidavit states that on November 5th, officers located a burn barrel containing burnt clothing and a partially burnt shovel and does not mention a cell phone. State Crime Lab field response scene notes state that at 6.15 p.m., a fifth barrel reportedly containing remnants of a Motorola cell phone had also been transported to the SO on Chilton. Sheriff Poggle's affidavit states that on November 5th, officers located a burn barrel near the residence of Stephen Avery in which officers located burnt clothing, a partially burned shovel, and fragments of a Motorola cellular telephone. The criminal complaint says that on November 5th, officers located a burn barrel near the residence of Stephen Avery, and in it located burnt clothing and partially burned shovel. A cell phone is never mentioned anywhere in the criminal complaint. Officer Deidre's affidavit contains the exact same statement as Sheriff Hoggles, placing the cell phone in a barrel found on November 5th with clothing and a shovel, and does not mention a camera, despite the camera having been confirmed as a Canon PowerShot A310. Mr. Avery's garage was searched six times before the final searches were conducted on March 2nd and 3rd, 2006, during which police recovered a nearly intact 22 bullet and bullet fragments that the state subsequently claimed contained Ms. Halbach's DNA. No presumptive blood testing was performed on the bullet or fragment, nor was any scientific testing done to determine the organ from which Ms. Halbach's cells from the bullet fragment originated. No ballistic expert testified to the fact that it is highly improbable that any 22, much less two, could have exited Mrs. Halbach's skull. On March 1, 2006, Mr. Avery's nephew, Brendan Dassey, allegedly confessed to assisting Mr. Avery in the commission of the Halbach crimes. On April 3, 2006, based upon Dassey's coerced confession, a swab was taken from the hood latch of the victim's car. The hood latch swab allegedly had sweat DNA from Mr. Avery's hand. It is undisputed that there is no such thing as sweat DNA. Again, no presumptive blood test was performed on the swab. Again, no bloody fingerprint of Mr. Avery was discovered on the latch. No DNA or fingerprint testing was done on the interior hood release, the prop bar for the hood, or the disconnected battery cable under the hood. Although it would have been impossible for Mr. Avery not to have touched the interior hood release and the prop bar of the hood if he had opened the vehicle's hood, these two items were never tested for the presence of DNA. Additionally, according to the state, Mr. Avery disconnected the battery cable, yet the cable was never tested for DNA. 
On March 17, 2007, Dassey was convicted of crimes in relation to the death of Ms. Halbach. On August 12, 2016, Dassey's conviction was vacated. The court found that the investigators had used deceptive interrogation techniques to obtain the confession from Dassey. Specifically, the court found, Finally, only after Fassbender's highly leading questions did Dassey acknowledge that Avery went under the hood of Halbach's RAV4. When Fassbender asked Dassey what else he had and Avery did to the RAV4, he could not muster the answer Fassbender was looking for until Fassbender asked, Did he go and look at the engine? Did he raise the hood at all or anything like that? Dassey responded affirmatively, but when pressed for additional details, he could offer none. Instead, all he could say was, I don't know what he did, but I know he went under. Mr. Avery's case proceeded to trial in February of 2007. The defense theory was that the Manitowoc County Sheriff's Department framed Mr. Avery for a crime he did not commit by planting Mr. Avery's DNA on the following evidence. The victim's vehicle and the victim's key. The defense contended that the victim's bones were planted in Mr. Avery's burn pit and her DNA was planted on a bullet fragment found in Mr. Avery's garage that was linked to his rifle. The defense claimed that the motive for the frame-up was in retaliation because of Mr. Avery's suing the Manitowoc Police Department for a previous wrongful conviction and wrongful imprisonment. Officer Link and Colburn, a month prior to Ms. Halbach's disappearance, had been deposed as witnesses in Mr. Avery's civil rights lawsuit. The state, in order to refute the defense's allegations about planted blood evidence in the victim's vehicle, presented an FBI expert on the issue of whether EDTA, which was present in the 1996 blood vial, was also present in Mr. Avery's blood discovered in the victim's vehicle. The state's expert opinion was based on unsubstantial and unreliable data, but no other forensic testing was widely available or known by either side to determine the age of Mr. Avery's blood found in the victim's vehicle. Argument. It is undisputed that Mr. Avery was convicted solely based on forensic evidence found at the crime scene that allegedly connected him to the crime. Additional scientific testing could once again definitively prove Mr. Avery's innocence and exonerate him for a crime he did not commit. Mr. Avery requests the following additional testing. Body fluid source testing that could identify the source of the bodily fluids found on the victim's vehicle key and hood latch. Radiocarbon testing which could definitively establish the age of Mr. Avery's blood found in the victim's vehicle and determine based on the age if the blood was planted. New DNA testing on evidence not previously tested. The prop, the battery cable, the interior hood release of the victim's vehicle, the blinker lights, the lug wrench, and the purple thong underwear. New and improved DNA testing of previously tested items. The license plates and the swabs taken from the victim's car. Trace testing for the presence of chemicals or fibers to determine whether the chemicals or fibers rubbing had been used to remove DNA from the victim's key or hood latch. All of this evidence was collected in connection with the crime and all of it was material to Mr. Avery's conviction. New testing could conclusively prove Mr. Avery's innocence, and thus he is entitled to it. New testing. In order to perform body fluid identification source attribution testing, the original items of the evidence or the original swabs used to sample the evidence are required. Mr. Avery is requesting the following items of evidence for new testing for sources of DNA using RSID saliva testing and the RSID blood testing. 
Item ID. Mr. Avery is requesting to perform the RSID saliva testing and the RSID blood testing on item ID, the hood latch on the victim's RAV4. Significantly, the Wisconsin Department of Justice State Crime Lab did not do chemical analysis of the hood latch for the presence of blood, despite the fact that the state's theory at trial was that Mr. Avery had deposited significant amounts of blood in the victim's car from a cut on the middle finger of his right hand. Clearly, if Mr. Avery were bleeding in the victim's car, he would have also deposited blood from his bleeding finger on the victim's hood latch. However, no presumptive blood test was done on the hood latch by the Wisconsin Department of Justice State Crime Lab. Wisconsin State Crime Lab Report, May 8, 2006, attached and incorporated herein as Exhibit J. Colhan testified that she discovered a full DNA profile of Mr. Avery on the hood latch. Colhan testified that the hood latch swab appeared discolored, but it was not reddish-brown or consistent with blood. Colhan admitted that she could not rule out blood as being the source of the DNA profile on the hood latch. No mixture of the victim's DNA with anyone else's DNA was present on the hood latch. Colhan testified that she did not receive the hood latch swab for testing until April 2006. Colhan compared the hood latch profile with Mr. Avery's buccal swabs taken on November 9, 2005. At Mr. Avery's trial, the state contends that the source of the hood latch DNA profile was sweat DNA from Mr. Avery's hands. Source testing will definitively identify the body fluid on the hood latch. Mr. Avery is therefore requesting to test the remaining 17 nanograms from the hood latch swabs to definitively determine whether the DNA profile is from blood or saliva. If the DNA profile is from saliva or blood, this would refute the state's theory that when Mr. Avery opened the hood latch, he transferred DNA from sweat to the hood latch. Skin cells are enucleated and keratinized, and buccal cells are nucleated and lack keratin. Item C. Mr. Avery is requesting to perform source testing on the victim's RAV4 key. The key is sealed in Box Baron Calumet County Inventory number 8114 and item number AO. The new source testing developed after 2007 will determine if there is blood or saliva on the key. If there is only saliva and no blood, this will refute one of the state's theories that blood from Mr. Avery's cut finger masks the victim's DNA. Colhan testified that she did not perform any presumptive blood testing. Colhan testified that there was no indication of staining and that the DNA was from touching. If the DNA is from saliva, it will contradict the state's theory that it was blood that masked the victim's DNA on the key. It will also contradict Colhan's testimony that the DNA was from touching because there was no visible indication of a biological fluid. All of the requested testing is consequential to Mr. Avery's conviction and he is entitled to the testing at his own expense. New DNA testing. Since 2007, more sensitive forensic DNA techniques have been developed that can recover sufficient DNA for profiling from enhanced latent ridge impressions, fingerprints. The new technique is more efficient for these kinds of samples. While not every fingerprint has been sufficient biological material for DNA profiling, these kinds of samples can provide DNA profiles. In order to perform new and improved DNA testing, the original items of evidence or the original swabs used to sample the evidence are required. Mr. Avery is requesting the following items of evidence for new and improved DNA testing. Items IE and IF. 
the apparent identification of Mr. Avery's DNA on the hood latch of the victim's car and its link to the removal of the car's battery cable requires further testing to identify the potential DNA on the battery cable clamps and cables pulled off the battery pulse prior to their removal. Because of the effort required to remove the clamps and cables, it is extremely likely that the individual who performed these tasks would leave his DNA on them. Therefore, Mr. Avery is requesting new and improved DNA testing on items IE and IF. Item AJ and AK. Mr. Avery is requesting swabs that were previously done of items AJ and AK and the license plates themselves so that new and improved DNA testing can be done. The license plates were removed from the victim's RAW4 and put in another vehicle at the time of the victim's vehicle was deposited on the Avery's property. At the time of the initial testing of the front license plate, an insufficient quantity of DNA was obtained. Wisconsin State Crime Lab Report, March 31, 2006. The rear license plate has no discernible DNA. However, with new and improved DNA testing methods, Mr. Avery may be able to obtain a full DNA profile from the license plates. Item A15. Mr. Avery is requesting DNA and trace evidence testing on the blinker light found on the victim's car. The victim's blinker light was displaced sometime during the sweet sequence of events of either the crime or the transport of the victim's car onto Mr. Avery's property. The blinker light was picked up and placed in the rear cargo area of the victim's car by the perpetrator or the individual who moved the car onto the Avery's property. It is a reasonable assumption that this individual handled the blinker light and quite probably left his DNA on the light. Mr. Avery is requesting that item A15 be subjected to new and approved DNA testing. Item A16. Mr. Avery is requesting to perform new and improved DNA testing on the lug wrench recovered from the victim's car. Mr. Avery is requesting new and improved DNA testing of the lug wrench because it appears to have been moved from its original place in the rear cargo area and therefore may have been touched by the perpetrator. Swabs IB, IC, IE, IF, and IJ, and IH. Mr. Avery is requesting testing of the following swabs. IB, swab of the exterior door handle. IC, swab containing possible DNA evidence from interior passenger door handle. IE, swab containing possible DNA evidence on the left battery cable. IF, swab containing possible DNA evidence on right battery cable. IG, swab containing possible DNA evidence from interior door handle. IH, swab containing possible DNA evidence from the exterior door handle. Item CV. A pair of women's purple thong panties recovered from the white trailer near the Mercury station wagon where the victim's license plates were found. Similar thong panties were recovered from the victim's residence. Mr. Avery is requesting to perform new and improved DNA testing on these panties to determine if they belong to the victim and if they contain a male DNA profile. Item A. Mr. Avery is requesting DNA testing for the first time of the victim's RAW4 on specific items that were not previously DNA tested. According to the state's theory, Mr. Avery was not wearing gloves and blood from a cut on his finger inside the RAV4. If this is true, the following untested items would likely yield the perpetrator's DNA. The bar that moves the seat in the RAV4 forward. The prop bar which holds up the hood. And the interior hood release. 
These previously untested items should disclose the perpetrator's DNA because the ungloved perpetrator of necessity would have touched all these items in order to operate the car, open the hood, and remove the battery cable. The defense forensic team will swab the raw four at the Calumet County Sheriff's Department. Mr. Avery is requesting DNA testing on the alleged human pelvic bone recovered from the quarry property southwest of the Avery salvage yard in order to conduct more advanced DNA testing to determine the origin of these bones. Mr. Avery is requesting DNA testing on the burnt material found at the Redont Deer Hunting Camp west of the Avery salvage yard to determine whether there are any items of evidentiary value at the deer camp. The source testing and the new DNA testing will be performed by Dr. Reek, an independent forensic. Mr. Avery is requesting that all the evidence described be shipped to independent forensics, 500 Waters Edge, Suite 210 in Lombard, Illinois. Mr. Avery is entitled to mandatory DNA testing of all blood stains found in or on the victim's vehicle prior to the court ordered entered on April 4, 2007. To the extent that Mr. Avery requests DNA testing of previously collected swabs and blood stains allegedly contained Mr. Avery's DNA testing is warranted under the prior order. Additionally, Mr. Avery is requesting that he be allowed to test previously untested evidence for DNA collected and additional blood samples from the RAV4 for radiocarbon testing. Forensic samples required for radiocarbon analysis. Items FC from LabCorp. Mr. Avery is requesting the blood tube containing Mr. Avery's 1996 blood sample. Item A6, the stain determined to be Mr. Avery's blood cut from the fabric of the driver's seat of the victim's car. Whole blood is about 14% carbon, so a very small drop would be sufficient sample for one measurement. Item A7, Mr. Avery is requesting the blood scrapings of his blood from the victim's car that were identified as Mr. Avery's DNA. Whole blood is about 14% carbon, so a very small drop would be sufficient. Item A8. The stain to be determined Mr. Avery's blood recovered swab from an area to the right of the ignition of the victim's car. A small, a small drop of blood would be sufficient. Item A9. The stain on fabric determined to be Mr. Avery's blood cut from the fabric of the passenger seat of the victim's car. A small drop would be sufficient. Item A10. The stain determined to be Mr. Avery's blood recovered from the black compact disc case on the victim's car, where blood is about 14% carbon, so a small drop would be sufficient. Item A12. The stain determined to be Mr. Avery's blood recovered from the metal panel around the rear passenger door entrance. One small drop would be sufficient. Item G. A stain recovered from the garage floor at 12332 Avery Road that was determined to be Mr. Avery's blood. Item I1, a stain recovered from the garage floor at the property on Avery Road that was determined to be Mr. Avery's blood. Item J, a stain recovered from the garage floor on Avery Road was determined to be Avery's blood. Item K, a stain recovered from the garage floor that was determined to be Avery's blood. Item AA, a stain recovered from the molding around the door at the Avery Road property that was determined to be Mr. Avery's blood. Item CF, two pieces of fabric cut from the front of a couch that was determined to be Avery's blood. Item CG, one piece of fabric cut from a zippered pouch cushion that was determined to be Avery's blood. 
Item CQ, a stain recovered from the inside of the living room door. It was determined to be Avery's blood. Item CR4, a stain recovered from the sink of the property on Avery Road that was determined to be Avery's blood. All the requested testing is consequential to Mr. Avery's conviction and he is entitled to the testing at his own expense. Alternative DNA methylation testing to age Mr. Avery's blood in victim's car. In the event that the samples for the radiocarbon testing are too contaminated for the test to produce accurate data, Mr. Avery is requesting that an epigenetic evaluation be performed on certain items. This testing will not be necessary if the radiocarbon testing produces reliable test results as to the age of Mr. Avery's blood. However, for reasons of judicial economy, Mr. Avery requests that the court order include DNA methylation testing only if the radiocarbon testing fails because of contamination of the evidence samples. Ballistic testing. Mr. Avery is requesting neutron activation analysis to compare the elements contained within item FL, the bullet fragment recovered from his garage and the unspent 22 shells from his bedroom. Mr. Avery would conduct testing at the University of Massachusetts. If different elements are detected, then it would refute the state's theory that the item FL was shot by Mr. Avery with the Marlin Glenfield Model 60 22 rifle through the skull of Ms. Halbach. Mr. Avery requests the following items for ballistic testing. Item FL, the bullet fragment recovered from Mr. Avery's garage. The unspent 22 shells from Stephen Avery's bedroom. Compelling fingerprint comparison. Mr. Avery is requesting the previously obtained fingerprints of Officer Colbert and Link for comparison to the unidentified prints discovered on the victim's vehicle. Mr. Avery is requesting that a comparison be performed of the fingerprint standards of Officer Colburn and Link to any unidentified fingerprint standards from the victim's vehicle. If the unidentified fingerprints on the victim's vehicle match either Officer Colburn or Officer Link, it would be significant evidence of their involvement in the moving the victim's vehicle into the Avery property. Items BM. Mr. Avery is requesting to examine items BM, described as Motorola Razor phone and box from victim's dining room. Wisconsin State Crime Lab receipt of physical evidence November 11, 2005. The victim's Motorola Razor phone was allegedly discovered in Mr. Avery's burn barrel. The inability of the state to produce the Motorola phone located in the victim's residence would demonstrate that it was the phone placed in the burn barrel by law enforcement. For the first time, all the above reference testing has the potential to provide a comprehensive analysis of the forensic evidence used to convict Mr. Avery and to determine the viability, validity, and the diversity of the forensic evidence presented nine years ago at Mr. Avery's trial. All of the requested testing is consequential to Mr. Avery's conviction and he is entitled to the testing at his own expense. Conclusion Mr. Avery requests satisfies State v. O'Brien and all elements of 97407. Because the requested testing is consequential to Mr. Avery's conviction and because he has met all requirements, this court should order all the testing encompassed in the 2007 trial order and all the new testing described above. Because a DNA order has already been entered, Mr. Avery requests an evidentiary hearing, if necessary, on the radiocarbon testing, DNA methylation testing, the body fluid source testing, and any micro trace testing. Wherefore, Mr. Avery respectfully requests that this court issue an other directed the following. The state shall release to the above described laboratories the previously identified items of evidence. Should the laboratory need to consume all the samples, the parties shall be contacted to obtain their agreement. All the results will be communicated to both Mr. Avery and the state of representative laboratory. 
The party will confer and determine an acceptable date and time for Mr. Avery's forensic scientist to perform additional collection of forensic samples from the victim's vehicle currently in the possession of Calumet County Sheriff's Department. Dated this 26th day of August 2016. Respectfully submitted, Kathleen Zellner.